we, we say this is our birthday month. So we started Gateway in August of 2010, I think. I don't know. I may be making that up. It doesn't matter. It was in August. Um, and so we are celebrating that today. So that's why we get the cheesecake bites. But um, also today uh, is kind of a cool day. So we've been talking about this for a while. This is also the day where, uh, where Gateway and Vine come together as one church. And so we're super excited to have all of our folks from Vine here with us and, and people that are just here visiting for the first time. So if you're a guest with us today, thank you so much for being with us today. We love you so much and we appreciate you being here. Um, but before we get into the message, I want to introduce you to uh, to Nathan and Brooke Headley. So if you guys would come up, Brooke, you got to come up. Like you have to stand up. Put your drinks down, your cakes and all the things you have. Brooke said beforehand, she said, I don't want to come to church here if I don't get to be on stage at least once. And so, so today's the day Brooke gets to be on stage. Um, but this is Nathan and Brooke Headley. And uh, I want to introduce these guys to you. Guess give them a big hand. So these guys are going to be coming on staff here with us, and uh, we were telling the worship team before church, uh, the way we do job descriptions here is extremely general, right? So those of us on staff, uh, which is not very many of us, we do a little bit of everything, and that's just kind of how we roll, but these guys are going to be helping us out for the first few months, um, getting us going with uh, all of our assimilation, getting new people plugged in and getting going here at the church. And then after that, well, they'll start developing their role a little bit more. So I want to let these guys just welcome uh, you and, and introduce themselves real quick. But don't preach long because i got to preach too. So, <laughs> Not Nathan Brooke. She likes to preach. Yeah. Good morning. It's nice to see you all. Uh, for those of you I haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you as well. I know I spent a lot of time talking to our Vine Church people as they came over, but would love to get to know everyone here part of Gateway as we join and become one family. Uh, excited to be here, and that's it. <laughs> that was good. That was good. No. Yes, that's it. Uh, we have four kids, just a little bit about us. We have four kids. Uh, Madison's our oldest, and my, like, saving grace, and then three crazy boys um, who are wonderful and amazing, and if they run around and bump into you, you're welcome to scold them. Let's give these guys another round of applause. Maddie, did you want to stand up and show everybody what you look like? Did you say that before church you wanted to stand up? No? I thought she did. She said she wanted to. Um, all right, so for those of you that are new today, maybe this is your first Sunday with us, um, we are in... I would say the middle-ish of a series. We're getting close to the end of a series. Um, as, a, as a preacher, I like to preach in series. It's just the way I think. And um, I think it's because I grew up uh, listening to my dad preach, who, who gets to preach here quite a bit. And um, when, believe it or not, like when my dad preaches, it's the shortest sermons you'll hear from this pulpit on a Sunday. He preaches much shorter than I do. But when I was growing up, when I was growing up, the old man would go like an hour hour 20. I mean, he could preach. He would, and it was good, but it was a lot, right? Like water's good, but if you get a fire hose right in the face, it's not, it's not that great, you know? And so um, he preached a lot. So when I was a kid, I'd be taking notes. And I'm like, man, that was a really good sermon. And he's like 15 minutes in. And then he starts, keeps going. I'm like, hey, that's a whole nother sermon right there. And so I decided as a kid, I thought, man, when I preach, I'm going to just bust all of my sermons up 
into multiple sermons. And so I started doing that to make them shorter. And then I got the spirit of my dad on me and I just started getting longer and longer. So hopefully we won't take too long. Um, but today we are going to be in this series called Anointed. One of the things I feel like gets A, misunderstood, or B, gets avoided a lot in the kingdom of God, especially in the church in America, is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says Holy Spirit is God, right? You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We, we pray, we baptize, we do things um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But yet, from the pulpit, we very rarely get into it. Outside of throwing a few tidbits in here and there, but to really dive into what the Holy Spirit um, is here for and what he's wanting to do in our lives. And so this whole series has been about that. So if you've missed the first few, you can go back and catch up. I heard last week's message was incredible. Uh, Dad preached and uh, talked about the fruits of the Spirit. Who is here for fruits of the Spirit? Yes. Awesome. Uh, After it was over um, on Monday, I was at the gym and while I was at the gym, uh, Brandon comes up to me. He's one of the guys here in the church. And he comes up to me and goes, man, he said, that message yesterday was really good. Your dad did a great job. I said, oh, that's awesome. He said, yeah, I took my kids out for a walk and I took my dog out for a walk. And the kids are riding their bikes and scooters, dogs walking. He said, as we're going through the neighborhood, some neighbor started yelling at me and uh, was mad at me about something. I didn't, I didn't understand what the neighbor was mad at him about, but, but, but Brandon's walking on, this guy's yelling at him, and Brandon just starts going, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. And then starts yelling at the guy, fruit of the Spirit. I got the fruit of the Spirit today. I've got patience today. He's giving me patience for you, buddy. And, um, and so I'm just glad the fruit of the Spirit is working. I'm glad the fruit, because Brandon's a big dude. If he hits you, you know, that's not the fruit. You're going to need the power of the Spirit to resurrect somebody. And so we're just glad... That, that that's working. So this morning, before we get started, before we get into this, we have a verse. So something Pastor Nathan um, told me about that they did is um, is always they, now now Pastor Nathan always has a verse for the year. Or this past year had a verse for the year. Well, that is amazing. Um, I am way too ADD for a verse of the year. Like I will forget that. I'm doing really good to stay with one verse this series. And so we're doing a verse for this series. And that verse is Luke chapter four, verse 18. And did I put that on the screen? I hope I did. I did. There it is. Luke chapter four. We're just doing the very first part of verse 18 because you know how it is. Sometimes it's hard to remember things. And so we're going to all say this verse together. So if you would, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. All right, let's try it without it. Em, take that off the screen for me real quick. Let's see how good you are. All right, this has been four weeks. You should have this by now. Okay? All right, let's see. Let's see. All right, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, I got bad right there. Let's stop. Let's stop before you embarrass yourself. Turn off the cameras. Like, this is not good. Don't let anybody see this. Okay, let's try. I'll put it back on the screen now. We got some work to do. We got some work to do. Somehow, you got on Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And beyond that, I don't know what you were quoting, but half of you were quoting the Bible. The other half of you was quoting Dr. Phil. I don't know what was going on. Let's try it again. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There you go. Good job. Good job. Huh? I messed it up? Hold on. Give me a second. Let me think this. 
Uh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Whoever put the words on the screen today put the wrong version. Put the wrong version on there. Fun fact, I put the words on the screen. So there was a preacher one time, and, and, um, and he, was, he always had this kind of gimmick that he did. It's probably not good. And so uh, in the middle of, or at the end of his message, um, he would always take, uh, get a little boy to, to go up into the rafters of the building where he was. And so like some churches, like there's a church I was at in Mobile, they, some churches have like a, a catwalk or a crawl space up top. So if you got to do lighting or whatever. And so there was a little door up there in this kind of like attic space and little, little door. And so what he would do is he would get the kid to go up there and he had a, a cage with a dove in it. And the guy would talk about, and the Holy Spirit fell. And whenever he did that, he would drop the dove down and it would be really cool and everybody would get pumped up and excited, kind of a little illustration that we do. Well, well, one time this guy's traveling and he takes his son, sends his son up into the attic of this building and, and, and he's preaching, he's got the dove and the guy was like, and the Holy Spirit fell and nothing happened. And he, the guy's like, and the Holy Spirit fell and nothing happened. And finally he says it one more time and he looks up and when he does, he hears a little voice from the, from the hole and he says, a big cat just ate the Holy Spirit. You want me to drop the cat? And the guy was like, no, no, no. So, so today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep going. And, um, and last, two weeks ago, maybe, or last week, um, I, I said this, uh, I said this in, our, in our prayer time before service, um, and, I, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, but Mareka, who's going to be baptized next Sunday, isn't that awesome? We've got water baptism next Sunday. Lisa's getting baptized next Sunday. If anybody else wants to be baptized next Sunday, next Sunday's a way to do it. Um, but she was, we're having this great conversation about salvation and about being born again. And what does that mean? And, and one of the things she said, she said, is there more? She said, there's this, this nagging question inside of, is there more? Is there more? Is there more? And she was saying, I want to be water baptized. I feel like there's, there's more. There's something else. And, 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 and listen, she's not the, oh, I'm pointing her out today, but she's not the only one that asked that question. She's not. We all do, whether we realize it or not. Because once you're born again, once you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and you've turned your life over to him, sometimes there's this question of what's next. Right. What's next? And so so today we're going to get into that because I believe I believe that there is something else that God wants to do in your life. And it has to do with the Holy Spirit. I believe that there's some things that he wants to do for us. I believe the Holy Spirit gives us life, but he also gives us purpose. And so we want to talk about the practicality of that. What does that mean? What does the Bible say about that? And so I want to show you kind of a biblical pattern first. So I'm going to get a little nerdy. Just I apologize ahead of time, but I want to show you a little biblical pattern. We're going to go Old Testament. And remember, one of the things we say is what you see in the physical in the Old Testament represents something that's happening in the spiritual in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. In other words, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that are done physically that Jesus comes and fulfills in the spiritual. Okay. So we understand that going into it. And so now whenever we read the Old Testament and we read the physical things that happen, the material things that happen, now we can kind of get a glimpse of what God's trying to do in us. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living person. So right off the bat, let's pause right there. 
So this is the creation story. God is creating man. He's creating the first man. He's creating Adam. And, and he, he digs Adam up out of the what? Out of the ground, right? I love the fact that he digs Adam out of the ground. He doesn't make Adam in some pristine factory somewhere. He's not in a clinical laboratory somewhere. He digs him up out of the dirt so he's not perfect. Not perfect, got worms, got all the things, the rocks, the, the, the roots, all the things. As he's digging, he, I said he got worms. And he was like, oh. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. So he digs him up, be a good fisherman. Digs him up out of the ground. He pulls Adam up out of the ground. And then he does what? He breathes the breath of life into his nostrils. That word there for the breath of life is the same word that the Bible uses over and over and over again for the Holy Spirit. He breathes the Spirit of God into Adam. Adam has life. But then, verse 17, I mean, verse 15 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So there's a pattern we're starting to establish. From the very beginning, God breathes life into man and then puts man to work. Notice that. Puts life into man and then gives man purpose and destiny. I love the fact that he digs us up out of the ground. Weren't you and I just dirt? Man, when Candace sang that song, wasn't that incredible? Wasn't that a great song? The words of that song were just killing me. And I was thinking, the whole time I'm thinking about this message, and I'm thinking, God, I was dirt. I was dirt, and you dug me up out of the ground. I was a nobody, and you picked me up. And not only did you pick me up, but you breathed the breath of life into me. And not only did you give me life, but then you gave me purpose. So he digs us up out of the ground. He gives us purpose. Then you fast forward to the book of Exodus. So it's Genesis. And then in the book of Exodus, we see the same pattern starting to emerge again. So Israel as a nation, as a nation, had, had um, gone into Egypt. And when they went into Egypt, the family of Israel, the, the family of Jacob, they go into, into Egypt and, and they're trying to get supplies. They're trying to get food. And in the course of that, they end up living in Egypt. Right? They live in Egypt. Now, in the Bible, Egypt usually symbolizes sin, right? It symbolizes a lifestyle of sin. So the, the, the Hebrews, the, the, the family of Jacob, they, they go into Egypt. But the problem is they stayed there. They got comfortable there. And not only did they stay there and they get comfortable there, they became slaves there. So the Bible says that for 400 years, they served as slaves to Pharaoh. 400 years. And God says, I've had enough of this. I've got to get these people out of here. And so he sends a guy named Moses to get Israel out. So Moses goes in. And if you've ever seen the, the cartoon, The Prince of Egypt, then you know what I'm talking about, right? All you, all you 90s kids are like, yeah, yeah, I know it. So, so, so Moses goes in, let my people go. Signs, wonders, miraculous things. He gets the Israelites and they leave. But here's the thing. As they're leaving, they get confronted with a, with a body of water called the Red Sea. They can't pass it. And, and Egypt is right behind them, chasing them down. Which is exactly what happens to us whenever we, whenever we make up our minds that we want to get out of our lifestyle of sin. Whenever, whenever we decide, hey, I want to turn towards Christ. I want, to, I want to change this. I can't keep living in this slavery to sin. And, and all of a sudden, it just chases us down, right? We're constantly being tempted and drawn back in. And, and, and we get confronted with this Red Sea. And the Bible says that God parts the waters and they cross through the Red Sea. Well, in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament say that that water crossing, the Red Sea crossing, represents... Water baptism, which, by the way, we're doing next week. So, so it represents water baptism. That's the first, um, the first time that they, they get baptized. They, they come out of sin and they get baptized. That is a great representation of being born again. God sets us free from slavery, right? 
He baptizes us. He washes us. He cleanses us. And we get, we get this brand new life. He digs Adam out of the dirt and breathes new life into him. He pulls Israel out of Egypt and gives new life to them. But then they're in this wilderness area. And in the wilderness, here's what the Bible says. I think this is so cool because it's going to show you something that the Holy Spirit is doing. It says this in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. It says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day by, with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel day or night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So I want you to notice something. The Spirit of God is working in the Israelites, right? He's working in the Israelites. How is he working in them? He gives them a cloud by day. A cloud by day to guide them. Now, didn't Jesus say in the New Testament, he says, what is the Holy Spirit going to do for us? He will guide you into all truth. Then he gives them a fire at night. How many of you are afraid of the dark? Okay. How many of you are afraid of the dark? You just don't want to admit it. Who's, who's sitting next to you is afraid of the dark? How about that? Does anybody know someone's afraid of the dark? Okay. Okay. All right, there we go. That's better. That's better. My mom raised her hand. My dad's 100% afraid of the dark. I'm pretty sure that's true. It may be stupid, but it's you. Um, and and uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. When we go to hotel rooms, I make Perry sleep by the door. I make her sleep on the door side. I mean, if someone's coming in, I need a warning, right? As they're getting her, that wakes me up and gets me ready to fight. That's as I need a buffer. And so, um, and so here's the thing. Whenever, what happens when someone's afraid of the dark, you want to turn on a, a light. Yeah. And so these guys at night, they're being comforted. And what is the Bible? They're being comforted by this fire. What does the Bible say that the Holy Spirit does in us? He guides us, but then he also comforts us. And here's a cool thing. It says here, it says that, that the, the, um, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of fire or cloud. In other words, he was there constantly with them. So whenever we get saved, when we get born again and we get baptized and we, we cross away, we get away from, from Egypt, we get away from sin and we step into this new life as free people. Here's something the Holy Spirit is doing in us. He is leading us. He is guiding us. He is comforting us and he doesn't leave us. That's really cool stuff. But, but there's a problem. Israel wasn't in their purpose. The Bible says over and over again, I'm taking you to a land of promise. I'm taking you to a place of purpose. The wilderness is not your place of purpose. Mareka, it's not just about getting out of Egypt. There has to be something else. It's not just about being guided and comforted. There has to be something else. And so they go to, to the promised land. And the problem when they get to the promised land is there's, a, there's another river. There's another body of water that they have to cross. And this time they cross that body of water called the Jordan. And when they cross that body of water, they enter into the promised land. That same Jordan River is the same river where Jesus was baptized. It's the same river where the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. It's the same river where Jesus was filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Very interesting stuff here to me. Maybe not to you. Again, I'm kind of a nerd. But I just like the idea... That he digs Adam out of the dirt, gives him new life, and then gives him a purpose. He takes Israel out of Egypt, gives them new life, but then gives them a purpose. And there was multiple crossings there in between. So let's fast forward to the New Testament. The Bible says in, in John chapter 20, Jesus has, has been murdered, he's been buried, and he's resurrected. On the same day, 
of his resurrection, the Bible says that the disciples are scared and they're locked in a house, right? And then Jesus just shows up. We're not going to get into how he does that because who knows how he does it? Only he knows, right? I don't know. And, um, and so Jesus shows up and when he shows up, he begins to talk to his disciples. And here's one of the things he says to them in verse 22. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, John is an interesting writer. John uses the same word breathed that was used whenever God breathed into Adam. What did he breathe into Adam? The very Spirit of God to give Adam new life. Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Spirit. New life. But then in Acts, which happens a little bit later, this is where things can get a little confusing. Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, here's what Jesus says. He says, uh, it says, once while he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized there is, is, uh, is a word that just means plunged. It means dumped. It means to be submerged, right? And so Jesus has already told them to receive the Holy Spirit. And now he's saying in a few days, you're going to be plunged, dumped, submerged in the Holy Spirit. These are two things. We've seen a pattern in the Old Testament. Dig them up, send them out. Pull them out, give them purpose. And now in the New Testament, we see Jesus say, receive the Spirit and later be baptized in the Spirit. Verse, uh, verse 8 of that same chapter, he says the same thing. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. A couple of things I want you to notice here, and, and we're almost done with this section. We'll get to the good stuff. Uh, this is all the good stuff. But it says this. It says you will receive something. In verse 8, it says you'll receive something. What does it say you'll receive? Doesn't it say you'll receive the Holy Spirit? No. No, no, no. Doesn't it say you receive the Holy Spirit? They already received the Holy Spirit. Now what are they receiving? Power. When do they receive power? When they receive the Holy Spirit? Nope. When the Holy Spirit comes upon them. This is, this is just words, but the Bible uses a lot of words, and we've got to pay attention to those words. Here's the last one, the last one. It says this. In Acts chapter 8, I promise this is the last of the setup. Acts chapter 8. So now the disciples have been, you know, they've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come upon them. They've been a witness. They're going out telling people about Jesus. And it says this in verse uh, 4 of Acts 8. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Verse 12. I'm skipping down. Verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. Now, this is where we're going to find a little issue. So in a lot of churches, you're going to hear a couple of different things. You're going to hear one that you get all of the Holy Spirit that you'll ever need at salvation. When I'm born again, when I raise my hand, when I pray the prayer, when I shake the preacher's hand, whatever the case is in your experience, then then I get the Holy Spirit and nothing else ever has to happen. Some churches are going to tell you different. So when I was growing up, more of a Pentecostal charismatic background, they're going to tell you there's two distinct things that happen. You get saved and you get filled with the Spirit. They're going to tell you two different things. Now, the downside to that view, 
The downside to that view is oftentimes what they would do is they would kind of prefer anybody that had the spirit, in their opinion, over everybody else. And you create a spiritual caste system, which we know, if you've ever read the New Testament, Paul says, says we're all one body in Christ. Some of you may be a mouth and some of you may be a foot, but we're all valuable just the same. So we understand there's no caste system. So obviously that view is a little off. But the view of you get everything all at once and nothing else needs to change, that might be off too. Because what I'm reading here is I'm reading that Philip, I've already set a pattern that God does two things in the life of the believer. And now I read that Philip preaches Jesus. They get, they get born again and they get baptized. But then in verse 14, it throws that whole you get it all at once out the window because it says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. So they're already believers. What did they pray for them? To receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So there's two things that I'm seeing as a pattern in the Bible that the Holy Spirit does in our life. The first thing that he does is a word that we don't use very often, but I'm going to use it for a message today. It's called the indwelling of the Spirit. In other words, he lives in you. He dwells inside of us. When does that happen? According to what I'm reading, it happens at the point of salvation. It happens at the point of being born again. The Spirit of God lives in me. The Spirit of God lives in me. And I, I know that. Uh, and, and I'm going to just run through some verses. I don't have them on the screen. But in, in Romans 8.11, it says that the Spirit of God gives life to your mortal body. In Romans 8.15, it says the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God, places us into the family of God. In, in 2 Corinthians 1.22, it says that the Spirit of God indwelling inside of you is a deposit of what you're going to receive in heaven. Who knows what a deposit is? Yeah, a down payment, right? In other words, I give you something that represents more that you're going to get later on. And so the Spirit of God living in us is a, is a, um, a deposit of what we're going to receive in heaven one day. In uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verse 27, it says that he's going to put a new spirit in us to lead us to obey God and follow his word. John 16, 13 says the spirit guides us in all truth. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says that he will produce the fruits of the spirit inside of us. So what's happening? There's a place in our salvation experience where we receive the Spirit of God to live in us. Jesus breathed on them. He gave them new life. The Spirit lives in me. Is that all I need? Absolutely. That's all you need. That's all you need to go to heaven. That's all you need to, to live a godly life. You need the Spirit of God inside of you. I need the Spirit of God inside of me every day. Every day. When Brandon walks his dog and his kids, he obviously needs the Spirit of God. Because he's got some crazy neighbors, right? And so we need the Spirit of God producing fruit in us, leading us, guiding us, comforting us. We need the Spirit of God inside of us. So if that's all you got, that's enough. But the thing is, there's more. And if I have the opportunity to get more, I want to take every chance I can. The thing is, the more isn't just to feel good. And I think that's where a lot of us have gotten it wrong in our past is we think anything more from God for us is for us. 
Can I tell you something? The Spirit of God living inside of you is for you. The Spirit of God on you is for everybody else. Let me say that again. The Spirit of God in you is for you. The Spirit of God on you is for everybody else. And, and, and here's how, I, here's how I, I find that. The Bible says this about the Spirit of God being on us. It uses words like baptized, which means plunged, right? It uses words like filled. Uh, in the word filled there, I know, well, that's inside, Gabriel. It's an inside word. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But it really means filled to overflowing. So it's still an outside word. Um, it, it, it says, the Bible says it will fall upon you. It will come upon you. It will be poured out on you. Acts 1.8 says that it produces uh, power to be a witness. That's for other people. It, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12.1 that the Spirit overflows from you with gifts and ability. That, that's, that's outside. Acts 2 and 4 says it's a continual process. He, we, we are being filled continually. Now look, whenever I get born again, when I give my heart to Jesus Christ, the Spirit indwells in me. Remember what we read out of Exodus where it said he didn't take away the cloud or the fire? He doesn't take away his Spirit, right? But here's what he does do. Is that filling is something that happens on a continual basis. I know that because Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek, uh, in the Greek translation there, that word filled means um, be continually filled. In other words, it's not just a one time I got filled. It is a every day, every day I'm asking God. Why? Because whenever the Spirit comes upon us, there's purpose behind that. So, so just a quick um, illustration. When I drink this water, where does the water go? Inside of me. It wasn't a trick question, right? When I drink the water, it goes in my mouth, into my stomach, into my body, Right? What does water do for me? Water hydrates me. Water gives me life, right? You can, you can live longer without food than you can without water. you got to have water. Uh, a couple of weeks, or maybe it was last week. Last week, my dad, this isn't funny, um, but I'm laughing already. But last week, last week, my dad went to the gym, and he's working out. And, and his concept of hydrating himself was to drink a whole bunch of caffeine and then drink like a Gatorade. Can I just tell you something? Other things are good and they taste good, but they're not like water. And so in the middle of it, at the end of his workout, he, he goes to stand up and he, he has to sit back down. And someone's like, hey, man, are you OK? And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I just need to stand up. So he stands up again. And this time he like goes over. And then sits back down. And he can't get himself right. He can't get regulated. And, and, and thankfully, Brandon, you're the star of the show today. Um, and thankfully, Brandon was there with him. And Brandon's a firefighter. And so Brandon takes him over to the fire station. And when he takes him over to the fire station, they start hooking him up to machines and things. And they find out his heart isn't beating right. Like something is, is really wrong. And it turns out that not only his heart wasn't beating right, his kidneys weren't working right. He was dehydrated. He was dehydrated. Now, here's the scary thing. Here's the scary thing about that. Dehydration will kill you and you're not even knowing it's coming. You'll die and you're not ready for it. Why? Because you've got to consume water. What does the Holy Spirit do when he lives in us? He gives us life. He keeps us going. It's important that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's important that you're born again. But then here's the other thing. If I take the same water and I pour it on my head, now where's the water? On me. 
Any of you have a kid? I've got, I've got three kids. And uh, my oldest two kids are serving back in the, back in the sound booth today. They're, they're doing computer and, and uh, sound. And they have gotten to this age. They got to this age a while back where they were. It, it's called modesty, right? And so they will take their clothes into the bathroom with them, take a shower, put on their clothes, and then leave, right? And they do something else. They use this thing called a towel, and they wipe their body with it when they're done showering to get all the water off. Well, I have a younger son who's at home sick today. He has yet to reach this point. How old is Colt? Was he like 11? Is he 11 or 12? He's 11? For real, tell me. Yes? Okay, good. I don't know. Those moments when you, someone thinks you're joking and you're really being serious. I love my kids. I just don't know how old they are. Um, I don't know how old I am half the time. And so Colt's 11 years old. He has yet to reach this. And so we'll have, like, there will be people at the house. And my man will get out of the shower butt naked, soaking wet, no towel. No, you just, hey, here I am. I'm going to my room, Dad. What's up? And you see a trail of everywhere Colt goes. Why? Because there are puddles of water. And I'm like, that little hairless body can't. How does it get so much water everywhere? There's nothing to contain it. It's just water everywhere he goes. You see handprints on the walls and the doors because everywhere he goes, he's leaving his handprint. Let me tell you something. When I drink water, it refreshes me and gives me life. But whenever I'm plunged into water, when I stand underneath the waterfall of the Holy Spirit, it goes with me everywhere I go. And every place I put my foot, I'm leaving a mark. Everybody I touch, I'm leaving a mark. I've got impact outside of my little circle. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit to give us life on the inside. Why do I need him on the outside? Because I've got to help give life to other people. I've got to help give life to other people. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit is like a ship without wind. The ship is good and it looks awesome and it's floating and it's doing everything it's supposed to do except it's not going where it needs to go. Without the power of the wind. So today we're going to get towards the end of this message. So what are you saying, Gabriel? What's the end run here? The end run is we need the indwelling of the Spirit. That happens to us when we're born again. Can it all happen at one time? Absolutely. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius didn't even get through the message. There was no altar call. There was no nothing. Peter is preaching. And in the middle of his sermon, God interrupts him, which seems to be a theme for Peter, actually. And so God interrupts him. And the, and, and the, the Cornelius and his whole family are born again. And the Holy Spirit is in them and on them. It's wild. It's crazy. It's amazing. And Peter just constantly gets interrupted. I love that. I love that. So can it all happen at once? Absolutely, it can. But we see a pattern of distinct works of the Holy Spirit. And I think whenever we start saying things like, oh, it just all happens at once, while that sounds good, it really waters down the work of what God's trying to do in your life. But whenever you can see the different components of what God's doing, it allows me to lean into those things. It allows me to lean into those. It helps me to know how to pray. When I understand that Paul says you've got to keep being filled, then it helps me to lean into that and to say, hey, I know the Spirit lives inside of me. I got that. Done. Okay. Now, you know what I need? Today I need the Holy Spirit on me. If, if, if you're a teacher today, you need 
the Holy Spirit. You need to be plunged under the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you got kids you got to talk to, and you got to you got you got principles you got to deal with. If you're one of our um, civil servants, you're a fireman, you're a police officer. You need the Holy Spirit. We think that we only need the Holy Spirit if we're getting on stage and preaching. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't need it nearly as much as you do. If you're a salesman, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you need the Holy Spirit. Not just in you. You got that. Stop worrying about that part. Worry about the next part where it says he's on me. Why? Because I need him so I can touch other people's lives. I need to leave a mark everywhere I go. I'm not satisfied with just going to heaven. I want something more. I want something on this earth that makes sense that I can take people with me. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. Now, next week. Next week, we're going to talk about what does that mean? What does it look like? I'm not going to finish the message today. It's a two-part message. I'm not going to finish the message today. I'm not going to pray for you today to, to have... What? No, I am going to pray. I'm just saying it's different. I'm not going to pray for you. Y'all interrupt me way too fast. I'm not going to pray today for you to, be, for you to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. If that happens, that's great. That's not what I'm even praying for you about today. When we do prayer at the end of service... We'll pray for whatever you want to pray for. But my end run today is just to help you have an understanding. Because I want you praying on your own throughout the week. And we'll talk about that in just a second. We'll talk about that in just a second. So there's two different things God's doing. Let, let's finish with this. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says this. So, so Jesus tells the disciples in Acts 8. He says, he says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Right? Upon you. They've already received it. It's coming upon you. Something different. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have power to be my witnesses. But he also tells them to wait. And and the time period there is about 10 days is what what theologians think. That it was a 10-day waiting period. And Now, is that like a magical number? Absolutely, it's not. I I just think God knew that the day of of Pentecost was coming, which was a a harvest celebration. And and he knew that, that he wanted to give this gift to his disciples uh, as a way of bringing in a spiritual harvest. So I think God understood that. But he says, I want you to wait. And so I want you to read real quick in, in Acts 1.14. What does it say that he, they were doing in this waiting? It says that they all went to one room, the disciples, about 120 of them. It says, and all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So here's the thing. Three things they were doing I want you to look at. They were in one accord. They were devoting themselves to prayer. They're devoting themselves and they prayed. Three things. So let's talk about those three things. This is where we're going to end the message today. The first thing I've got to have, and this is what I want for you. So you're saying that the question is, Gabriel, what do you want? What do you want from me out of this message? I want you to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. For whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you next week or throughout the week. You don't have to have me. You don't have to have the church. We're not magic. I want you to prepare yourself because I think what we do sometimes, and this is my frustration with church, is sometimes we will give you a, a theological, spiritual thought, and then we expect you to act on that thought immediately. I don't expect you to act on it today. I expect you to pray about it, to think about it. I expect you to wait, like Jesus said. So these three words, I looked them all up in the Greek because that's 
I just, it's my, my issue. I have to look things up. The first one, the word accord, means to have the same desire. Yes, accord is a car. That's not what this is. Yes, accord is being together in unity. But what it means is that we have the same desire, the same direction. So my goal for Gateway Family Church today is that we would all have the same desire and the same direction for this week. I'm asking you for one week that we would have the same desire and direction. What is that desire and direction, Pastor? That desire and direction is that the Holy Spirit would come upon us. Yeah, but what is that going to look like? Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. We'll talk about that next week. Let's just worry about having that same desire. Paul says we can desire the things of God. We should have a desire for God to do something in our lives. The second thing I want you to do is is it says they were devoting themselves. They, They were devoted to something. I want you to devote yourself to the waiting this week. So for one week, instead of praying for your, your finances, instead of praying for your, um, you know, for your job, listen, all those things will still be here next week, I promise. I promise. Let's pray this week. Let's devote ourselves. We've got the same desire, the same purpose, the same, the same goal. Let's devote ourselves. Devote ourselves, which means to earnestly seek. It means without distraction. Because this week what's going to happen is you're going to have all kinds of distractions. And and listen, I want you to take some time this week. Even if you say, Gabriel, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast one meal, one one day. I'm going to fast one meal and I'm going to devote myself to this. That's fine. Do it. Whatever it takes for you to earnestly seek. And the last one is this. It says prayer. And the word prayer in the Bible. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say it like this. I want you to have a desire. I want you to, to be devoted. And I want you to make a deal. Make a deal with God. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound spiritual. But actually the word prayer actually means to have an exchange. So here's the deal I want you to make with God. I want you to make a deal with God that, God, I will give you my sin. I will give you my fear. I'll give you my doubt. I'll, I'll give you my past. If you'll give me faith. If you'll give me spirit. If you'll give me power. I, I, I will give you These things that bother me, if you'll give me joy and peace. That's the exchange I want to have. And that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is about exchanging things with God. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Give me your burdens and I'll give you mine. Mine's light. Jesus is all about an exchange. That's what he wants to do with us today. So for one week, all I'm asking you to do, I'm not asking you to to, to be like anybody you've seen on TV, anybody you've seen in your church past history. I'm asking you simply to do the things that they did in the book of Acts. I'm not asking you to be like me or like anybody else. I want you to be like the people in the book of Acts. I want you to have a desire. I want you to be devoted. I want you to make a deal. And I want to just see what happens next Sunday when we all come back in here and we continue this message and we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing. When we come back in here and, and we start having a heart, listen, I, I, I believe God wants to give some of you guys, it just, it just hit me that there's a, there is a, um, there's a purpose that he's wanting to put in your heart. There's some targets that he's wanting to put in your mind right now. There are people in your life that need the power of God to flow through you. And you haven't understood it and haven't know how to pray about it or what to do with it. 
But God is setting some of you up right now. He's putting people in your life right now. He may, it may be students. It may be parents. It may be family members. It, it may be job associates. It may be the, the lady at the gas station. But God's putting some people in your life right now. And he's saying, I've got something special for them, but I want to use you. I want to use you. So what I want you to do is take the week. Take the week. I want you to have a desire. I want you to be devoted. I want you to make a deal. Let's stand up this morning. So for those of you that are new, let me just give you some housekeeping, right? Every Sunday at this point, we ask, we ask some, of our, uh, some of our leaders to come down to the front. And, and all they want to do is whenever I give you the opportunity today, if you need prayer for anything, doesn't matter if it has anything to do with the message or not. It really doesn't. I could be preaching on the good shepherd and you say, I need, you know, I need God to give me a job. Help me find a job. Doesn't matter what the deal is. We want to pray for you this morning. We want to give you that opportunity. So right now I've got some folks that are going to come down to the front and they're going to, they're going to be here. If you need prayer, when I get done praying right now, if you need prayer for anything, maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to be born again today. Maybe you say, I've been in Egypt for way too long and I need to get set free from Egypt. Maybe you say, I need the spirit of God to live inside of me, to lead me and guide me. Whatever it is today, we want to pray with you. And before we do, I'm going to pray over you. So let's just... Let's close our eyes right now so we can not be distracted. And and, and Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place and we invite you into our lives. We invite you into our hearts. Uh, The Bible says, David speaking, he said, search me, oh God, and see if there's anything in me that offends you. Look inside of me and see if there's anything that I need to get right. God, maybe the offense today is not sin. Maybe the offense today is fear. Maybe the offense today is doubt. Maybe the offense today is just just a lack of awareness of your presence. God, if there's anybody in this room today that doesn't know you, Jesus, I just pray that by your spirit you would call them, draw them. I believe God wants to set us free from Egypt. He doesn't want to stay in Egypt. He doesn't want you stuck in the ground and in the dirt. He wants to dig you out today and he wants to breathe new life into your lungs. God, I pray for our people today. I pray for this family of believers. This week, we would be devoted. This week, God, we would pray. We would make a deal with you. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing one more song. If you need prayer for anything, before we dismiss, slip out of your seat, come down to the front, let us pray with you, and then we'll dismiss in just a second.